So we are in a series on frequency. We've been talking about hearing God and what that looks like to be able to tune in to the right frequency that he's on and to actually hear what he has to say. Many of us throughout our life struggle to have the right direction because we're kind of in between making a decision and we can listen to God if we choose to tune into that frequency and hear what he has to say. Sometimes it's really great and it's encouraging and it's going in the right direction. And sometimes it might be something to caution you and to say, hey, maybe you should think about this before you take the next step. So we want God's will in our life. Amen. Amen. We have one more message in the series next weekend. uh, But the title of today's message is steward his spoken word. The idea behind that is we talk about, you might think of the term steward in a different fashion. We think of an airline stewardess or something like that. But when we look at the Bible and when we speak in church about stewarding, we really mean the word manage, okay? They are, the the people on the flight are being managed by the stewardess, okay? She's assisting and helping them all the way through. The same thing is true of us. When we look at God's word, we talked about tithing just a moment ago. When we look at God's word, it's important that he says, I own it all, I give you some, and you've got to manage it. So having the right perspective when it comes to our whole life, not just our money, but every bit of us, God has called us to be good stewards or good managers of what he blesses us with. So when we say that, we're saying today that we want to be a good manager of what God speaks to us. When we close our service today, I'm going to have all of us pray a prayer out loud, a really simple, short one that sounds like this. Lord, I trust that you will speak to me this week. And I believe with all my heart, God will answer that for the prayers that are prayed with authenticity from our heart. God wants to speak to us. The question is, are we listening? And the better question today is, When we do listen, what do we do with the word that we hear? So it's obvious that we need to be good stewards of God's written word. You should read your Bible. Say that with me. I should read my Bible. Okay. So we should be good stewards of the written word of God. And we honor it as what we believe to be infallible. That's without error. It's inerrant and it's everlasting because it's inspired by God himself. So here's the deal. Culture changes, and you can see that changing all over the world. Culture changes, but the word of God doesn't change. It's been established for thousands of years. The principles that God lives by and wants us to live by are in his word. So even though culture changes, the word of God doesn't change. And we would do well if we remembered that. So we need to memorize it. Some of my students are here today and they have a scripture verse every week that they have to memorize in my Bible class. We need to memorize it. We need to meditate on it. We need to read it and to study it. When God speaks to our hearts, remember we said this in the series in the first few uh, messages, he speaks to us as his children. He speaks to us as his sheep and he speaks to us not only as those things, but also as his friends. So when he speaks, we want to listen above all the noise that culture might bring to us. So the question today is, are you stewarding God's spoken word? In other words, when God speaks something to your heart, what do you do about it? Think about it this way. 
let's say somebody, uh, let's say God put somebody on your heart and um, you have this scripture verse maybe come to your mind. Uh, we know some people who like to post them on Facebook and that's an awesome audience to be able to push out there the word of God and to say, hey, this is a good encouragement for you. But let's take this example that God speaks something directly to Maggie and says as she's praying and reading through, hey, you know what? You ought to write Maddie a card and just put this verse in there. And then when Maddie gets it a week later, God's already known that that is the thing that Maddie needs in her life. And so when she reads it, she goes, oh my goodness, this is confirmation. This is awesome. God used somebody else to speak this word to me too. But what if Maggie, and I know I picked Maggie and Maddie, and that's kind of hard to differentiate. Maggie, raise your hand. Maddie is over there. Okay. So what if Maggie says, "Eh, that's probably just me. Uh, I don't usually write cards, whatever. What if she doesn't do what she thinks she ought to when she thinks she's heard God? If she doesn't follow through with it, then God's going to speak that to somebody else. So Maddie will get the card and she'll get it with somebody else's name on it and that kind of thing. If God's divinely wanting this to happen, he'll make sure it happens. The question is, when God's up there making decisions and he's looking down, who is he going to go back to talk to again to give another task to? Probably not the person who denied him the first time. He'll probably easily speak to the heart who's already responded to him. So that's a real challenge for us is when God speaks a word to us and we do, we want to hear him. I don't think any of us in here would say, I do not want to ever hear the voice of God. I think we would all agree that we want to hear him. So when we hear him, we need to manage what we do. Uh, what we do with it. So I'm going to give you three ways to steward or manage the words that God speaks to you. The first one is this. Steward what you hear. In Mark chapter 4, we'll have that on the screen briefly. Uh, Mark chapter 4, there's a, a common scripture verse or a passage there that we've heard before in talking about giving. And we're going to talk today and read it with a little bit of a, I guess you could call it like a fine-tooth comb. We're going to look at it a little bit deeper. And when we see this, I think you'll be really surprised. Mark chapter 4, verse 24 and 25. Jesus speaking, he says this, And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Now, I don't know if you realize that, but we've talked about this in churches all over America before about financial things. And we say, you know what? If you trust God in the little stuff, God will give you more. There's examples of Jesus speaking to his disciples and he's sharing parables with them and, and teaching them. And he says about the servant who manages wisely, who does what he should with what he has, he says, even more will be given to him. But to the one who just whittles his time away and wastes it and doesn't do anything productive with the gift that God gives him, in those moments, God says, I will even strip that tiny part that they have away from them. But when we read this, we have to listen to the context because that first verse, 24, it says this, and he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. 
It's talking about what you hear from God. With the measure that you use, it'll be measured to you. So when we steward well what we've been given, we'll be given more. And the the point is this. If we steward or if we manage what God speaks to us now, we'll be the one who's more receptive to hear him later. He wants to speak to each and every one of us. So I want to give you 10 ways that God speaks in scripture, okay? You can write these down. We'll have them one at a time on the screen, but I'd love to just, um, I, I would love to tell you this. Dive deeper into God's word about this list because you can find plenty of examples. I'll give you a few in each one, but you can find tons of scriptural evidence for this kind of thing. So the first way that God speaks in scripture is through circumstances. Jonah is an example of this. God spoke to him, he disobeyed, and God caused, I can say that in church, God caused hell to come against him, okay? He caused him to go through something traumatic and put him in the belly of a fish for several days in order to get his attention. So I tell people all the time, instead of just crying about, God, why me? Why don't you actually think about why you? (laughs) Because sometimes the circumstance you face might very well not be the enemy trying to kill you or your own stupidity. It could be that God is trying to speak to you. So God spoke to him. He didn't listen. God spoke to him through circumstances. That's a really funny story when he's on the boat headed in the wrong direction. And they're like, hey, we got to get rid of some cargo. And Jonah says, okay, I guess I'm the guy that you got to get rid of. Like this is what it's come to because he was running from God. God tried to speak to him kindly the first time. And then God put something else into his life because he had such a thick skull about it. Okay, he was stubborn. We said last week, number two is this. God speaks through godly counsel. Don't just talk to your friends and your buddies and all of that stuff. Ask people who know God and know you if the decision you're about to make is the right decision. Just pull the audience and ask them and see. Number three is this. God speaks through peace. We said this last week as well. In Colossians 3.15, it says this. Let the peace of God, it really says, umpire your heart. Let him call the shots in your heart. Also, we read from Philippians where it says that the peace of God will guard you like a garrison of soldiers. It will guard your heart and your mind when your mind is in the right place in him. So God speaks through peace. Number four is this. God speaks through people. Surprise, surprise. There are so many examples of this throughout the scripture, but Acts 21 is a good one. We won't read it today, but you can just jot it down. There's a prophet that gives a word from God to the apostle Paul. And when we think about the apostle Paul, we think he's this high and mighty guy who God spoke to, had a special relationship, and he's going to be there delivering the word of God to everybody else. But God actually used someone else to bring a word from God to Paul. That's an interesting thought. God speaks, number five, through dreams and visions. Last night, I had a bad dream. I will not go into the details. It was a bad dream. Well, I'll tell you this. I dropped my laptop and it broke apart. That was a bad dream, okay? Because it's a new laptop. But God speaks through dreams and visions. It's all throughout scripture. God spoke to people. He speaks to Joseph in the Old Testament. He speaks to uh, Jesus's stepdad, half-dad, whatever you want to call it, his earthly father, Joseph, through dreams 
It's an incredible thing to think about that God can use a dream or even a vision to speak to you. All of these ways that he wants to speak to you come after his word. He wants to speak through his word to your heart, to your situation, to your life. So when he speaks through dreams and visions, we know this from Solomon, Jacob, Peter, Paul, John. It go, the list goes on and on. Number six, the sixth way that God speaks is he speaks to you through your thoughts. I love what Matthew one twenty says about Joseph, Jesus' earthly father. It says that while he was thinking on these things, the Lord spoke to him. It doesn't say he was praying. It says he was thinking about, he was just, you know, God, what should I do about this? I'm not really sure. And I don't know that it was a private moment of prayer or anything like that. It literally said, and while he pondered these things or thought about them, God spoke to him. And then even better, God sent an angel to clarify and to just be like, hey, just so you know, this is really what I'm saying. Number seven, God can speak through natural manifestations. We can see this all throughout the Bible too. God uses natural events to get people's attention. Now, I will tell you, I am not of the school of thought that I have to be careful with what I say. There are some quacks, I'll call them quacks, that's a good word. There are some quacks that blame any kind of thing that happens in nature on God. Oh, God sent this hurricane. Oh, God did this. Oh, God did that. We do not see it that way. Scripture does say there are natural things and God wants to speak through his creation, but he can speak through beauty just as much as he can through tragedy. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we are not of that school of thought where people say, I'm just going to blame basically all of this on God trying to wreak havoc and cause judgment to come on people. So God can speak through his creation. Listen to what John 12, 29 says. God was speaking to Jesus. And listen, it says some heard a voice and some heard thunder. Some, some people in the audience heard what was being, what was happening and they heard clearly words that they could interpret and understand. And it says, but some heard thunder. In other words, I think they saw or heard a natural manifestation of God saying, I want to show you something. In the book of Revelation, it's full of natural manifestations about God speaking. Number eight is this. You say, Pastor, you're burning through this really fast. I know the Super Bowl is six hours away, but I'm going there. It's going to be awesome, all right? And I want God to speak to me before then, okay? I want him to speak to... Well, I won't get too far off track. Um, Number eight is this. God can speak through supernatural manifestations. Everybody say this word, super. Natural. So what does that mean? It means not natural. It means above and beyond the natural scope of life. Okay. So when we think about this, you got to think about it like this. Supernatural manifestations happen throughout scripture where God was choosing to speak through a burning bush. He spoke through the fleece of Gideon that we spoke about recently. He spoke through a donkey and he can speak. He can even use me to speak. If he can speak through a donkey, he's, I mean, this, It's incredible. If you ever want to read it, write this down. Numbers 22. I'm telling you, and for those of you who aren't sure about this, you can check it out in scriptures. Numbers Numbers 22. Balaam is riding on a donkey and he is a, he's abusing this donkey 
And God, it literally says God opened up the mouth of the donkey to be able to speak words, intelligent words. And she turned and said to him, why you hidden me? Like, that's really what, what happened in scripture. He was going in a direction he shouldn't have gone in. And the donkey was obeying God. But the man on the donkey wasn't. I'm telling you, don't wait for God to have to use a donkey to speak to you. Okay? Read the Bible. Okay? But he speaks through supernatural manifestations. Number nine is this. He speaks through the written word. It's important that we still talk about this. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says this. It says that faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of God. So my faith is built up. Maybe, maybe you go through a situation in your own life and you ask this question, I, I, or maybe you admit and say, I feel like I'm lacking faith or I don't have enough faith. Then my question to you is, when's the last time you got into his word? Because when I read the word of God, even just that moment ago about talking about Balaam and his donkey, that stirs my faith in my heart to know that it's not about me being perfect for God to speak to me. If he can use a donkey, he can surely talk to me too. That lifts my faith. So we've got to see what God's word has to say. Number 10 is this. God can speak through a still, small voice. Some versions of the Bible, in this passage of scripture, 1 Kings 19.12, if you want to write that down, it actually says that God speaks through a whisper. There's this moment, and I'll just give you the context. There's a, a prophet, and he's essentially he's longing to hear the word of God. And there comes a storm, and there comes these other things that are happening. And he, he keeps saying this phrase, but God was not in the storm. But God was not in the, but God was not in the, and then he gets to the fourth or fifth thing, and he says, but God was in the still, small voice. So next time you hear that still, small voice, saying something good, saying something biblical, saying something encouraging, saying something to challenge you to encourage someone else. Listen to it and obey. That's the Holy Spirit trying to speak to you. So God is speaking on a certain frequency and we can tune into that frequency. Did you know that right now in this room there are other voices not whispers, I'm not talking about any of that. There are other voices literally in the airwaves right now. If we had a radio in here, we just tune in to that frequency to catch what's being said. So if I'm thinking about it like this, I think about Adam and Eve in the garden, and I think to myself, there are two frequencies at least, and there are two choices. The choice was, do I really listen to God? Do I really obey? Do I really trust what he said? Or do I listen to the enemy and to the one who wants to cause doubt and that sort of stuff? So God and Satan both spoke in the garden and they had a choice. The humans had a choice. How many of you remember this as a kid? Be careful, little eyes, what you see. All right. Be careful. Yeah, I was like, I'm not going to go much further than that. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. So we've got to be careful what we hear because God is not the only one broadcasting. The enemy is broadcasting a strong signal. Satan speaks and it doesn't sound as bad as you think. Somebody ought to say amen. I know you're taking notes and you're not texting everybody, but here you go. Listen, say amen. 
So when the enemy is broadcasting a signal, his signal, it doesn't sound horrible. He didn't say to Eve, hey, guess what? You're going to literally ruin all of humanity. Why don't you take a bite? <laughs> no. What did he say? He put a little bit of doubt. Just, just enough to tip her over the edge to make her say, eh. So what he says when he speaks, he is not coming in saying, hey, I want you to grow up to be a violent abuser of people and a serial killer and a foul and a this and a that. No, he doesn't say that. It's little steps in that direction that if we tune into his frequency, it gets harder and harder to ever shut it off because it gets louder and louder. And yet we go back to number 10 of the ways that God speaks in the Bible. All of those are scriptural. And if God is in a whisper... We've got to get it quiet enough in our life to be able to hear what he is trying to say to us. So the Apostle Paul says this to the Ephesians. This is intriguing to me. Listen to me. He gives Satan a title which appears nowhere else in scripture. And it fits into this message so perfectly. In Ephesians chapter 2, you can read it at your own leisure. He calls Satan the prince of of the power of the air. Satan wants to wreak havoc in our life. He wants to cause confusion. He wants to cause chaos. But we should not allow that to happen. We should stop him. So point number two is this. Steward what you hear. But number two is steward how you hear. Don't worry, I only have three points. Well, technically 13, but it's fine. We already got through 12 of them, okay? So we're, we're getting there really fast. Luke chapter 8, verse 18. There's a different take on the previous passage of Scripture that we read to open in Mark 4. Listen to what Luke eight eighteen how it phrases it. It says, take care then how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. So it says, how you hear. So how do you hear when God speaks to you? Whenever I hear God speak to me, he speaks to me in a way that I can understand it. It's not in these and thous. It's in a way that I communicate. I know God knows my heart and he knows who I am. And when he speaks to me, it's not something that I have to go searching to understand. It's clear as a bell to me. But here's what I need to say to you today. Your attitude and your perspective affects your reception. Your attitude about what God's talking about, I shared with you openly uh, two weeks ago or so. I was praying about something, and I basically told God, no thanks, in prayer. He said, if you give it to me, I'll, let, I'll, I'll really take care of it. But then I kind of responded like, Lord, I'm not really sure if I want you to take care of it. We've got to think about it. The right attitude matters, and our perspective matters. Those things affect our reception of God's voice. I don't know if you've ever had this issue in your own relationships. Let's talk about friendships, marriage, whatever, where someone said something and it was received wrong. I'm not looking at my wife. It was received wrong, okay? And you're like, Ugh. and yes, I have a habit. I've put my foot in my mouth. How many of you are with me? You've put your foot in your mouth. <laughs> don't nudge your neighbor. Raise your own hand, okay? Okay. 
So we've all done that kind of thing before. But if I think to myself, you know, like I think of an example like this, you know, uh, a husband coming home from, from work and he says, hey, hey, honey, when's dinner going to be ready? That's it. He just says, hey, when's dinner going to be ready? If he says that and she's had a really terrible day, if she thinks in that way, she receives it and she goes, well, you know what? You can make your own stinking dinner. I don't really. And all he was trying to communicate was, what time can I come and sit and eat? Because I'm hungry. So that kind of thing happens. And that's not to shed a bad light on ladies, okay? We're not going to hate in that direction. We could flip the script and do the same thing for guys on the other side, okay? So, but everybody says this. I want to hear those big words from God. I want God to speak. I want him to open up the heaven and pour rain out right on my head and tell me this is the confirmation of what you... But if we haven't obeyed the last thing we just read in his Bible, in his written word, how can we be trusted with those big things? How, how could he give you more if you're not doing well with what you have? This message will preach from parents to teenagers. It'll preach from spouse to spouse. If you're not honoring what you have, how can you be trusted with more? It's a biblical principle. If you can't be faithful with little, you're not going to be able to be faithful with a lot. So I keep praying this prayer. Lord Jesus, if you give me a million dollars, I promise you I'll give most of it away. Lord, please. And, and, he's, and he says back to me, okay, just make sure you tithe off your paycheck this week. Because he, he's, he's wanting me to go in that direction. I'm not saying God confirmed he's going to give me a million dollars. But bless God, he's given me a lot in my life. And I've tried to honor him with those things. But the point is this. You've got to honor him with the little. And that financial thing really applies in this moment. Because if you think you can't afford to tithe or to bless the church and that kind of thing. Or to bless others in a generous sort of way. How why do we find ourselves at the end of our rope screaming out, God, I can't pay my, I just need your, I wish to. Maybe God has been speaking all throughout his word to say something small, to ask you to be accountable to that thing. And then when you're not, you get yourself into trouble because you can't then receive the words he's trying. The reception is off. It's not working. So steward how you hear. I love this, and I'll share this example. Genesis 37. Joseph gets a dream from God that his brothers are going to bow down to him. Okay, if you have a brother in this room, please don't nudge them. What does he do? Okay, what does he do? He immediately runs and tells them, Hey, guess what, guys? I had this dream, and you're all going to serve me. All right, we're going to sell you as a slave. Sounds good. Let's do this. I mean, that. what else could be their response, right? And so the dream was from God, was it not? It was from God. But the dream was not to tell them, hey, you're going to be in power one day. The dream was to tell him something different, that you're going to have power one day to save and to lead many people. Listen to me. If you think that leadership is all about finding people who will serve you, that's the wrong idea. Biblical leadership and leadership within the kingdom is how can I serve you? 
How many people can I serve? How can I be a blessing to them? So Joseph someday was going to get to serve his family. And that's what he should have heard. But instead he runs around. And that's my perspective and my, my approach from when I read Genesis 37. He ran right to him and said, guess what? You guys are going to bat at me. And that sounds good, except for it gets you into a lot of trouble and makes you have to be in some hard circumstances before you ever get to the place where God can use you. Come on. James chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. We're going to have these verses on the screen. It says this, but he gives more grace. But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, we might have heard this term before when somebody says resist the devil. You know, you think about temptation and that kind of stuff. It says there, submit yourself, therefore, to God. So submit to him, resist the devil, and he will flee. If you resist the devil, he will flee. Amen? But you might not have caught the first part. It says that God actually, it says the word opposes, but it says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You can't resist the devil when God is resisting you. So if we're talking about being responsible and managing how we hear the voice of God and, and stewarding it in the right way, when we hear it to have the right perspective, we've got to have the perspective of humility. The only way that you can resist the devil is to get more grace from God. And the only way you can get more grace from God is to be humble. And this is a challenging thought. If you're prideful, you can't resist the devil. As a matter of fact, God is resisting you. Now, I've said this before, and we keep making sure that we are all on the same page. When we look at the Bible, I want you to really understand it. I'm a normal, plain, everyday guy who wants you to understand God's plain word for you. When Paul writes, when this is written, I'm sorry, in James, when this is written, it says that God opposes the proud. It literally, it's an athletic term that meant back then in those days that he literally is on the opponent's team resisting you from going forward. That's a pretty powerful thought. So God gives us the ball and he wants us to run with the ball. I know you're like, it's Super Bowl. Pastor's talking about football. This is awesome. But really, this is what happens. God is blocking all the way down the field so that you can finally get down and score. But if you are doing it, he's saying to you, I'm going to go first. You walk close behind me, run behind me, and get all the way down, and we'll go together. But if at some point your pride gets in the way and you have, nah, I got this, I got this, and you step out from his protection, what ends up happening is he switches jerseys real quick and jumps on the opponent's team, and he tackles you because he loves you, and he wants to tackle you before the enemy tackles you. And ruins you. It's an athletic term talking about being on the opponent's team. So God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So steward what you hear, how you hear. And this is my last point. Number three is this. Obey what you hear. We'll talk a minute here about Jonah. Jonah chapter 1 verse 2 and 3. It says this. Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city. 
and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Verse 3 says this, But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and he went down to Joppa, and he found a ship that was going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare, and he went down into it to go with them to Tarshish. Away, look at that phrase, away from the presence of the Lord. So Jonah was not heading in the right direction. And if you're following along, just easy, clear understanding. He had to pay out of his pocket to get on a ship going the wrong way. He had to sacrifice to actually disobey God and to run away from his presence. So when we don't obey the word of God, we leave the presence of God. It's that simple. So if you've ever been in a place like me where I've experienced this, and I've thought to myself, you know, I haven't heard God speak for a while to me. I believe that you ought to maybe go back to the same thing that you think you heard him say a while ago and obey that thing and make sure that you can answer that question and say, you know what? The last time God spoke to me, I really did honor him. I really did obey what he said. And utilize that as a moment of connection between you and God, asking that question, did I obey the word that I heard? Jonah did not hear God speak again until he repented. And repentance, we talk about this all the time. It's not just saying, I'm sorry. It's stopping doing what you're doing in that direction to start going off in a new direction. So when Jonah comes to his senses through the circumstances that God provided, then he finally says, God, I'll give you everything. I'll give you what you want. Some of us might right now be going through circumstances and they're closing in around us. And the reason may be very well that God spoke, but we haven't obeyed the last thing that we heard. I'll share this personal story and one more thought and we'll close. My grandmother, um, she was a restaurateur. I feel like it's in my blood. Um, she owned six, seven restaurants at one time down in Southwest Florida, made a ton of money. Uh, she was really good at it. She taught my dad or had my dad help out. And then he got official training with a French chef. And it's just, it's something that was part of our family life for a really long time. I can remember being a little kid going in there and helping Lester make biscuits at 5 a.m., 4.30 a.m. on a Saturday morning, just as a 10-year-old kid and him trying to show me the recipe and walk through it. And I thought to myself, this is pretty cool. She makes a lot of money. She does something she's good at. This is really cool. And I later found out that she had actually, for her whole life, disobeyed the last thing she heard God speak to her. She had an encounter with God where she went to a camp and she heard God's spirit speak to her. She says she thought she heard an audible voice say, you are to be a missionary and go to Africa. She was confident of that. And in the days before she died, when she was talking about all of her memories and they were talking through all of that stuff, it came out that she said, there's only one thing in my life that I regret. It's that I didn't obey God's voice. And there's no redo. <laughs> Once you've gotten that far and when you're on your deathbed, there's no turning back to say, oh, I wish I could do it differently. And sure, all of us in this room have regrets, but she didn't obey what she heard. And that grieves me. I believe I'll see her someday, but I, I don't know what that relationship with her father, her heavenly father, would have been. The fact that she knew very well, and she talked about it with other people, that she had heard 
but she didn't obey. Listen to what it says in 1 Samuel 15, verse 22. Samuel says to King Saul, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. And all the teenagers said, amen. They should. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. The context is Saul is trying to fix something and he's saying, hey, I'll just get enough animals, I'll get enough money and I'll drop it in the plate at the church. I'll do it this way. And Samuel goes, no, 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 no. There's not enough fat on an animal or blood that would be spilled out on an altar. God just wants you to listen to him and do what he said. Because Saul did not obey the Lord, his whole line was wiped out and the kingdom was taken from him. And you say, I'm just some little fish. I don't have a kingdom. I don't have anything much going for me. But you've got responsibility in this life and God wants to help you with that. So obeying is better than sacrifice. What are you going to do when God does speak to you? Are you going to obey no matter how hard it is? No matter how challenging it is? Because I can promise you every time I've obeyed, even in those hardest moments, there's been a blessing beyond what I could have ever imagined on the other side of that. Would you stand with me today?